This is the Wu Wei Wisdom Podcast, our weekly no-nonsense life lessons aimed to inspire you to master your emotional and spiritual health, achieve balance, harmony, and flow, and rediscover the authentic and awesome you. We're your hosts, David James Lees and Alexandra Lees. This week, we are uncovering the truth as to why you may believe you are not good enough, how your childhood experiences and your inner child are woven into this, and what you can start doing to truly love and value yourself. Okay, David, so what's the origin of this self-doubt about us not truly loving ourselves? So in my experience, the origin will go back to childhood experiences and it will be something that happened to you between the ages of six years old and nine years old. And this to me is a very important time. This is the time when your emotional feelings are fully developed, but your cognitive reasoning, your understanding of situations haven't quite caught up. So something is happening in your life at those pivotal times. It could be a dysfunctional family situation. It could be moving house, home. It could be being bullied at school. It could be problems with your siblings. It could be lots of things that your child's mind cannot understand or comprehend. And that's the beginning of this way of thinking and believing. So I know, David, you work with this self-doubt, this believing that we're, you know, unlovable, not good enough with probably most of your clients. Is there, is there like a recurring person in their life, in your clients' lives, who have, in effect, made them believe they're not good enough? Well, that's a very good question, Alex, because nobody ever makes you believe. It's very rare. I'm sure there's some people out there screaming at, at me now and said, I was directly told that I wasn't good enough, and I appreciate that, and I'm sorry to hear that. But for the majority of my clients, nobody has ever told them that they're not good enough, stood them against the wall and said, you're not good enough. They've inferred that by not receiving, not getting what they believe they're entitled to. So not getting attention, not getting love, not being nourished, not being listened to, maybe being abused physically, sexually, emotionally. And so it's a conclusion for the majority of my clients that they've come to. It's very difficult to put blame onto authority figures such as your parents or your teachers or your grandparents or your family. And so a child will say, therefore, it must be me. There must be something wrong with me, something missing in me. And it becomes then the follow-on, that must mean I'm not good enough. Because if I was good enough, wouldn't they love me? Wouldn't they care for me? Wouldn't they look after me? Wouldn't they want to listen to me? Wouldn't they nourish me if I was good enough? And so in a child's mind, because a child's mind will always want to attribute blame, you can't blame your parents because you need them for nourishment, for food, for clothes, for a shelter, for a roof over your head. You can't blame them. So the only person left to blame in the child's mind is themselves. Mm, And we 
do we carry that self-blame, those childlike conclusions, which cast a kind of a dark shadow over our value? For most of us, do we then carry that through into adulthood without kind of really defining how that thought came about or even the origin of that feeling or belief within us? Very important, Alex, and it's the core, what you just said is the core of the inner child work because we say that to ourselves without realising exactly what we're doing because once we doubt ourselves, once we say what I call a lie, this, that's one of the three lies, I'm not good enough, I can't cope, I'm unlovable, we're dealing with I'm not good enough. What you're doing, you're planting a seed of doubt in yourself about your own worth and your value. Now, you don't realize this as, as a child, but that is what's happening. You create a story. There's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. And that plants a seed. And I hate to do this comparison, but it really is like a seed of cancer. And this seed of cancer grows inside of you. And what you do, you start looking for evidence. So you discount the positive things when you do well, when things go your way. You discount those without even recognizing them. And you focus on when things go wrong. Ah, there's the evidence. And it becomes what I call a self-fulfilling prophecy. You call it confirmation biased. And I think that's a good thing. You're confirming, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And that belief, and here's again in the model that we're showing you, <clears throat> that belief, I'm not good enough, then creates red light feelings. And then that confirms I'm not good enough. And so you're on the carousel of despair now. You're going round and around, focusing on this, I'm not good enough, creating red light feelings. There you are. I'm always, I'm anxious person. I'm worrying person. I can't cope. I'm unlovable. And this becomes like a, a snowball gathering momentum. And so, David, what I'm hearing you saying here is that in childhood, Maybe someone directly told us we weren't good enough or more often just through their actions or inactions, we concluded that we weren't good enough by what was inferred yes. to us. But now those situ childhood situations, quite often those people are removed or more distant in our life. So in terms of who made us believe we're not good enough, very much now as an adult, we are the one that is reconfirming this, I am not good enough. We're the one who's doing the damage now by continuing, as you say, to look for the evidence. And and also, do you think sometimes perversely we go out of our way to put ourselves in situations or with people or in relationships that treat mistreat us, that disrespect us, that do make us call into question our value and our worth? Yes, Alex, you're absolutely right. This is the paradox. This is the confusion that we try and help on these teachings. Because very important, as a child between that seven and uh, six and nine-year-old pit period, it becomes like a story. We tell ourselves this and it makes sense. But then in our teenage years, something equally as important happens. That story 
and looking for the confirmation bias and the self-fulfilling prophecy, it slips into our identity. We start to identify ourselves as that person, as not being good enough. And then this is where the really clouds of confusion overtake our mind. Because you're absolutely right. We start to put ourselves into positions that confirm our bias about ourselves. I'll give you a perfect example. It could be the partner we choose. It could be our friends. They're very familiar to perhaps one of the parents or a situation. So if we're brought up in a dysfunctional situation, that becomes very familiar. And it's very easy as we become that identity of that person to slip back into that dysfunctional situation. And this all the time is piling on the evidence that there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I mean, there is a big thing that's said, I guess, in the, in the therapy world is that we are attracted towards adult situations or adult relationships that recreate the energy or the dynamic that we had in our childhood years, even if that wasn't necessarily healthy. And that's because of the familiarity. That's right. So it's unhealthy, but familiar. That's right. And that's very important to understand about that part of your mind that I call the inner child. The inner child will always favor the familiar. Even if you know, absolutely, it's not right. Even if you know this person is not a person you can trust or share your life with, the inner child will gently nudge you into that familiar. And I'll give you an expression that a lot of my clients say to me when they're reflecting, better the devil you know. You will always go, the inner child will always want to go to where it believes it's comfortable, even if it creates emotional pain. And this is where a lot of people, where you talked about the confusion, they'll go to the comfort zone, even if it's very painful and creates a lot of emotional experiences. That familiarity, that comfort, that the part of our mind favors is very important to identify in yourself. So if you've ever said to yourself, I'm not good enough, you would very rarely speak it out. Some of my clients do, but you normally say to yourself in your self-talk, this is extremely destructive because you are confirming the inner child. And once you start to say to yourself, the snowball is now rolling, mm -hmm. the carousel of despair is now spinning, and you will be guided. It's, it, it's all, have you ever driven a car and it pulls to one side if you take your hands off the steering wheel? It's that kind of energy. You're pulled back to that familiarity. You know what, David? I uh, One question I want to ask you here is that I've read in a lot of motor therapy, mm -hmm. they say that we are often drawn to back to these familiar dynamics in adulthood in order to once and for all find a resolution. But it kind of strikes me that if our inner child is the one driving us back into these unhealthy but familiar situations, 
our inner child doesn't really want a resolution because our inner child just wants immediate comfort, safety, familiarity. And our authentic self, our Shen self, our spiritual self, our higher self, whatever word you want to use, that greater part of us, more balanced part of us, wouldn't go back to those unhealthy dynamics, unhealthy relationships in the first place. So I some somehow that that kind of therapy conclusion doesn't sit so comfortably with me. So let me clear this up. So the inner child doesn't know how to find a resolution. It has no idea because if it knew a resolution, it would have found one. It is very comfortable and I'm going to use that word again and I know you're going to say well this is not comfortable it's not comfortable but it's comfortable for the inner child to go back to what it knows now the as you say what I would call your shen your higher self your intuition knows better but almost wants to let sleeping dogs lie again I'll tell you what a lot of clients say to me I don't want to open the Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back into that childhood trauma. I don't want to reenact that. I want to keep it pressed down. And can I uh, demonstrate this separation? With a lot of my clients, when they bring up their own physical children, they will not treat them in that way. Their higher self, their mature self, their parenting self will almost treat their children and to say, I would never let my child experience what I experienced. And so I'm going to treat my child in a certain way, in a very spiritual way, in a way that gives them value and worth, in a way that encourages them. But then you know what they do. They don't treat themselves in that way. They treat themselves back in the familiar way. And this is what creates so much confusion. And that's why I use the Shen test. Would you tell that to your child? And the answer is always no, I wouldn't tell that to the child. But you say it to yourself. Yeah. So, David, are you saying that we don't need to go back into unhealthy dynamics, unhealthy relationships, unhealthy situations that reinforce this I'm not good enoughness in order to resolve them that we can do this work undo the belief that we're not good enough outside of these situations well I think your wording might be a little bit confused there we do have to go back and resolve the inner child issue Mm -hmm. but we don't go back (laughs) with the mindset of the inner child okay So let me give you an example. If your child was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and came back from school and said, Mom, Dad, I'm not good enough, what would you do? You wouldn't say, Oh, okay, 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 we'll leave that there then. We'll let you, we'll let you carry on thinking that. You would immediately go and deal with your child and resolve why he came and she came to that conclusion. But you do it from a mature, I would say, spiritual Shen basis. You wouldn't be dragged down into your child's logic and thinking. And this is what happens with your inner child. Until you learn how to do the golden thread, when you go back and try and resolve the inner child's beliefs, what a lot of my clients do, 
they almost become the inner child again. They're not looking at it from a mature, reparenting spiritual situation. Okay, so when you say do the golden thread for our new listeners, that is the therapy process or the self-inquiry process that you work with with all your one-to-one clients. And this is really just a system of questioning that self-talk, those thoughts of self-doubt, of um, of not valuing ourselves and questioning back to the origin of when we first when we first thought that those things yes it's a very natural and normal thing to do and you would do it as I say if you use the example if your physical child came home from school and said I've just come to a great conclusion I'm not good enough you wouldn't just accept it you would start to question. You would ask, what happened? Where did you come? Where did that come from? And you're doing the same with your inner child, but you're not being drawn down to become the inner child. Do you understand what I mean? You've got to view it from a higher level, I would call a spiritual level, because the inner child will say things like, if my mother and father really valued me wouldn't they have listened to me or cared for me more therefore they didn't so therefore it must mean I'm not good enough those are the type of questions you've got to answer it would be the same as your physical child saying if I was good enough wouldn't I be in the in crowd there's an in crowd at school and I'm not part of that in crowd mom dad wouldn't isn't that mean I'm not good enough now you would have to give that child a very powerful spiritual lesson. And that's what you have to do to that part of your mind. And that's why I like the analogy, the metaphor of the inner child. I want you to think about yourself as a spiritual parent. And that part of your mind that you may have been calling your ego or your subconscious mind, I want you to see that as you, when you were six, seven, eight, like a spiritual child, Imagine you have a spiritual child that needs parenting, particularly needs the type of parenting that it never received from your physical parents. So you have to treat yourself the way you would treat a physical child. You have to listen. You have to engage. You have to try and resolve those issues you've been carrying for most of your life. And David, I know you're going to prepare for next Saturday. We'll be publishing a beautiful new guided meditation to help you with this process of engaging with your inner child and resolving and unlocking this idea that you're not good enough that so that you can truly, truly believe in yourself. So please do tune in for that because I'm sure it will be really helpful. I think that's important, Alex, because a lot of people... Um, they listen to our teachings and it rings a bell somewhere deep inside of them and they may try once or twice and then they give up. And one of the things, because you know this teaching is based in Taoism, you've got to do small, consistent steps. So I'm talking 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. And you don't have to sit cross-legged. You don't have to put a candle on. You can do it lying in bed. You can do it walking in nature, walking your dog. You can just put the earphones on and let me guide you through a meditation. Because for me, meditation means focusing your mind, being in control, 
asking yourself those golden thread questions. So why do I believe that? Does it mean, for instance, this is a great question you can ask yourself now, if my parents don't give me the love that they give to my brother, does that mean there's something wrong with me? What would you say? If a child come to you, like a cousin, a niece, come to you and says, auntie, uncle, my parents love my brother more than they love me. Would you say to that child, well, that's because you're not good enough. That would be the last thing you would say. The last thing you would say. Then you can ask yourself, well, why do I say that to myself? And this is why this is so profound and powerful. And I believe it's life-changing. As I say in the videos, I only say because I truly believe it. You are awesome. You are amazing. There is no one in the universe like you. Like fingerprints. You are unique. And so the concept of you not being good enough, to me, I'm sorry to say, is just nonsensical. But for a child of six or seven, it makes perfect sense. And that's what you've got to re-educate and resolve those very core issues. And in the meditation, I'll hopefully be holding your hand and taking you down the golden thread so we can speak to your inner child and we can listen to what it's saying and we can give it some resolution that it can consider and think about. Thank you, David. That's wonderful. And I will put a link in the show notes to some more teachings that we've done on self-love and self-worth. So you can really, really get to grips with this subject. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Wu Wei Wisdom Life Lesson. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review us to help us grow. If you'd like to work one-to-one with David, he supports clients all over the world every week via video call. You can learn more about David's consultations, plus our online events, offers, and gifts on our website, wuwaywisdom.com. You can also meet and share with us in our private Facebook group, on our YouTube channel, and on Instagram. Search for Wu Wei Wisdom and you'll find us. Until next time, stay happy, healthy, and in your flow.